Bet the Juice Podcast. Cody Mitchell, Connor Holliday here. The final four is set. San Diego State, FAU, Miami, Florida, UConn. Just how everybody drew it up. Exactly. Exactly right. As somebody who did have a future on Miami to make it to the final four. Well, yeah, that cashed. Yeah, a little bit of heartbreak on the Kansas State side. We'll get to it later. No, I thought you meant only. I was going to say we have futures on UConn, too. Well, and also I did the uh, math. I didn't realize how much I had put on the Big East to win it all. That was like 10 to win 90. Yeah, So plus the future of... Yeah, UConn I got itself. basically 200 riding on UConn to win it all. I still have the original future, and that's... <sighs> I wish I had... Plus cash- 3,500 that I placed back in November? Yeah, like I that. had the bet, I think it was sometime in February, because I placed the future, and then they started to fall apart, and I, I was like, I think Bam. everybody's figured this team out and cashed out, and man, you... On futures, let them ride, people. Let them fucking ride. Exactly. There is, like, for one, we have three first-time Final Four participants now with San Diego State, FAU, and Miami clinching their first-ever trip to the Final Four. We have the first-ever NCAA tournament without a one, two, or three seed, which is also pretty wild. We have the opportunity, well, the Mountain West, San Diego State's representing the Mountain West, their first chance, uh, trip to the final four we have an opportunity where if miami can win the title the first ever non 40 22 club ken palm winner ken palm fraud he this <laughs> he's on he's on a upset alert right now i'm pretty sure he is i think it started in 2002 so he's 20 for 20 right now wow well 19 for 19 <coughs> uh covid oh yeah but still it basically, it's you have to be in the top. I always get it confused. It's either top 40 in offense, top 22 in defense. I'm pretty sure it's top 22 in offense, top 40 in defense. That would make more sense. Probably. But, yeah, there is – like, FAU coming out of Conference USA, it, basically Dusty May is running the same team that he ran back from a team that won this. they were in the CBI a year ago. Mm-hmm. And now they're in the Final Four. And it doesn't look like it's – this to me, we're gonna go into the games that we watched the Sweet Sixteen early day. It's gonna be a little confusing because obviously we didn't talk since the Sweet Sixteen games. But this FAU team doesn't remind me of 2018 Little Chicago. It doesn't remind me of 2011 VCU when it was like, hey, awesome that they're there, great story. You have no chance to win the title. No, this team can obviously fuck around and win a title, which is just honestly ludicrous to say. And shout out to the conference USA in, in general. They have they won the CBI, mm-hmm. Charlotte, yes, and North Texas and UAB are in the final four of the NIT. And I just want to give a quick shout out to the great people at CBS for I remember watching this when they put up this graphic. Shout out to Freezing Cold Takes. Um, who can win the tournament? The teams, the 10 teams that they had up there based on uh, all the metrics and everything of all Keep the teams. List that... them and I will tell you when they lost. <laughs> Alabama. Sweet 16. Houston. Sweet 16. Kansas. Round of 32. Purdue. Opening round. UCLA. Sweet 16. Texas. Elite 8. Arizona. Opening round. Marquette. Uh, 32. Round of 32. Gonzaga. 
Elite Eight. Xavier. Where were they? Sweet 16. Yeah. So you had two Elite Eight teams out of your 10. Yes, exactly. Like, wow. I mean, obviously, like, this has been one of the most, like, there hasn't been, like, that many, like, I don't want to say there haven't been that big of upsets, but I mean there has been. It's just, this this tournament, to my knowledge, has been one of the most chaotic that I've ever seen. In a different way, and it was honestly not to tutor horn. There's going to be a lot of tooting the horns of this episode, so yes. if you don't like it, get out of here. Um, but like and subscribe and tell her. I'll tell her friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we basically called this before the tournament. We said we don't think there's going to be. Well, no, I should preface that before the bracket was out. Mm-hmm. And before I saw matchups that I liked in the upsets, I said, or and we kind of collectively agreed, we don't know if there's going to be a lot of upsets as in like Cinderella double-digit seeds, but you're going to get more like four to seven seeds down the stretch into the Final Four yes. because the playing field between one and nine is closer than it's probably ever been. I mean, to think like in the Sweet 16, we only had two one seeds. Like... I mean, no one seeds in the lead eight. No, yeah, exactly. Both first got, time ever too. I mean, just absolute chaos. I, it's been amazing. This has been one of the best tournaments I could remember. And I also forgot this could be the first year a five seed could win the NCAA tournament. One through eight have all won outside of the five seed, which is crazy because I like you told me today about the how the Kemba team was a three seed. For some reason, I always thought they were a five seed. So did I. And then I was looking back, because as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's not right. And then, no, yeah, they were a three seed. Because I swore that they were like, weren't they kind of? Well, it was because they won the Big East tournament. Yeah, because I swear going into that Big East tournament, like I don't think they were bubbled, but they were like not looking too hot. But either way... This is going to, we're coming down to possibly a fantastic finish. Or if you've been listening to us, like three teams potentially going up against a buzzsaw. Exactly. Um, This is probably not going to be the most viewed Final Four by any means. I think the first one, not as much. I don't think a lot of people are going to be turning into FAU, San Diego State. That UConn Miami matchup is juicy it's very juicy um let's start off with the sweet 16 games connor i honestly just kind of want to go through these relatively quick not danger a ton of time on them because the elite eight games are what's basically fresh in everybody's mind you just want to avoid this first one the first one a little bit of a letdown broke my heart didn't end up betting it kansas state takes down michigan state 98 to 93 in overtime um, great game Marquis called Noel, it 20 points 19 assists, an NCAA tournament record, and five steals. Played just out of his fucking mind. He did. I constantly tweeted it. Marquise Noel was in his fucking bag. Dude, some of those some of those assists he had were just phenomenal. Just everybody making shots. It was such like we talked about it like this probably was going to be the best game it didn't turn out to be the best game but you didn't stay up and watch the UConn game it delivered so much so I mean what what a great game Michigan State 
just would not go away. I was worried when Walker at the end of like at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime, like he kept having the ball in his hands and I'm like, Oh, he's about to fuck me right here. Well, he kept banging him at the end of regulation. He kept banging him at the midway through overtime. And then it, all the juju of fucking me over for the last two years, like came to fruition and he kind of bricked a couple. Yeah. And then Marquise Noel, like you said, the five steals and then the crucial one that was on the last play, where he's a he forces uh, forces Walker to lose the ball. Kansas State takes it out. Obviously, the score is ninety eight to ninety three. Noel ends up getting a last second layup as time expires. But yeah, this was a great game, just all around. It was a great way to start the Sweet Sixteen. Tennessee goes in a half up twenty seven to twenty two over FAU. I'm just going. Oh, okay. I got here. It's fine. Okay. Um. Wait, this wasn't – no, this wasn't the next one. No. Well, do we really need to talk much about yeah, that one? Uh, okay, well, <laughs> here we go. Uh, UConn, 88, Arkansas, 65. Yeah, buzzsaw. Yep. Thumping is Thumping. what that was. Thumping. Uh, FAU got down against Tennessee, and then roaring back in the second half, outscores the Volunteers 40-28 to in the second half behind John L. Davis' 15 points, and Boyd chipped in 12, and – Kind of just the FAU ball where there's not really going to be a star. Everybody's going to share it. Everybody's going to score. We're going to move the ball and make 100 passes to the best shot possible. And, again, something that's been – this, to me, for a spot for Tennessee was the spot they really miss uh, Ziggler in this spot. Yeah. uh, You could definitely tell in that uh, second half that FAU had made the adjustments, found the weaknesses in Tennessee's defense – able to exploit them and obviously roar in the second half to 40 to 28 and end up winning by seven. Like great game by FAU. Obviously like for Tennessee, you were down Ziggler. And honestly, like I think even if you talk to them and said like, Hey, you're going to make it to the sweet 16, even without Ziggler, you're going to beat Duke. Like I think Tennessee was signing up for that. To the latest game here. UCLA, Gonzaga. UCLA got up to 46-33, to and it looked to me like the game was over, and I kept holding out hope because I just am one of those guys who just want Gonzaga to get the one and shut everybody up, the people that don't actually know anything about basketball. And what do you know? Gonzaga comes storming back, takes the lead. Now, down the stretch, I think there was, well, first there was a stretch from UCLA. I think it went like 10, 10 or so minutes without a field goal. And Gonzaga takes the lead. They get up 72-63 to with two minutes left and cannot make their fucking free throws. Mm -hmm. It was just brick after brick after brick. (laughs) Granted, Antoine Watson got fouled twice. He was like a 56% free throw shooter, which didn't help. But at the end of the game, Amari Bailey drills a three-pointer to take the lead by one with 12 seconds left in the game. Mark Few dials up a play for Julian Strother. Apparently... In his post-game interview, he talked about the play was to do it was basically the same Villanova play that won yep. the national title game. Yep. He's going to catch the ball at the top of the key. The plan was for him to take it to the hoop because they had plenty of time left on the clock. If he missed it, they could still get the ball back or they could still foul and still have a chance to win it. And Strother basically asked Few if he could shoot it. And Few's like, hell yeah. I don't know if Few was very happy where he caught the ball when he was at the logo <laughs> and shot it. <laughs> I don't think he was probably happy about that, but Strother bangs it in. 
and then Tiger goes down the court and turns it over, and the rest is fucking history. I mean, like, yeah, you did say I fell asleep. I had to rewatch this. What a fucking game. I wish I would have watched it live, but obviously we work early in the fucking morning. Yeah, no one's going to blame me. We literally have to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning. It's I'm, <laughs> I'm a trooper, and I... I stick through some of these, but there's some of these I definitely pay for the next day. Mm-hmm. Very yes. hard. Yes, very much so. Um, To Friday, let's just get the two out of the way here. Texas beat Xavier pretty convincingly. I don't think there was ever really a second that Xavier was in this game. Texas got out to a decent lead early. They were up 17 at halftime. Timmy Allen banged in a half quarter at the buzzer. Yeah. Like, they controlled this game the entire time. And then for Princeton, hey, man, you're a 15 seed in the Sweet 16. Good fight, but... They kept it close at half, but then Creighton kind of took a lead and never really gave it up. Yeah. In a game that, and also, like, I want to talk about this game, but it was also kind of a blowout. Miami 89, Houston 75. The Hurricanes, I don't remember the number, but at one point they were shooting 50-some percent from three. They finished 44% from three, 11 of 25, including Nigel Pack going 7 for 10. Now, this is why... You paid this man $800,000 when he had 3,000 Twitter followers to promote an app. Mm-hmm. 1,000%. And this was something that worried me. I talked about Miami being a good team, but the one thing that worried me and I think worried a lot of Miami fans was, is there going to be a little bit of turmoil in the locker room when this kid's coming off the street? Like Isaiah Wong, Jordan Miller, we just made the Sweet 16, or we made the Elite Eight a year ago. Mm-hmm. And now we're just getting this guy off the street and he's making $800,000. Remember, Nigel Pack entered the transfer portal and said, give me money or I'm out. Mm-hmm. And does not matter. This team is balling. And I I know he's starting to get more credit on TV, but Norchad O'Meara is everything for this team. Absolute dog. I mean, as somebody who has... Back Miami all fucking season. You were the one that did turn me on to them, but it literally only took one time to watch them see how they score to absolutely fall in love with this. Well, team. it's the most Connor Holiday team. Like we're gonna score it's a bunch of points, and we don't give two shits about playing defense. Until you have a six-seven until there's six minutes left, and then we're gonna lock up six-seven center who just gets every fucking board. Every guard out there can splash. I mean, this team is just so damn fun. And like we said, like, if there's one thing that worries me the most about Houston is if they go up against a team like Miami, who is hitting as well as they were, can Houston keep up? And, like, the ability to shoot over top of Houston just absolutely killed them. I was... I was on I was sitting on Miami plus seven and I was just like on cloud. Yeah, I had the seven two, but I didn't have the guts to take the money line. Neither did I, but I also knew I had the final four future, so I'm like, I'm just gonna let that fucking ride. But my god, I mean I was so so ecstatic Dude, for I, Miami. I was low key, like awesome ecstatic for Miami. I love those guys. I was a little disappointed in my in Houston's fight. It seemed like they just gave up. They rolled over. To me, yeah. that's what it looked like. Yeah, kind of. Like, I mean, it is, I understand it's deflating when Miami's going down the court and has a – and is just – they're moving the ball around and getting a wide-open three, and they're banging every single one. I get that. But I just expected 
this Houston team, the way we've seen them the last four years since they're super been relevant, like they always play hard. And today or on Friday, it didn't kind of seem that way. Yeah, and like one of the best rebounding teams in the nation in Houston, and Omir was still able to get 13. Yeah. And one of the most the best defenses at turning the ball over too, and Miami took care of the ball well. Nigel Pack's not really a point guard either. Like they don't really have a true point guard because he to me he reminds me more of CJ McCollum than mm-hmm. anything else. Like he's a scoring two that's undersized. Kind of uh, more like Dame. Well, Dame can handle the ball more. Nigel yeah. Pack's not gonna Yeah like tear right. you up offensively like with his moves or anything. He's just a streaky he's a bucket getter. He's a walking bucket, is mm-hmm. what he is. But, dude, that was an awesome game. Um, sad to see Houston because I think Houston's – luckily Houston's joining the Big 12 so they won't, like, drift into Gonzaga territory. Mm-hmm. But it's starting – like, man, these regular seasons are awesome. But they're in the Big 12 now, so it's not really going to matter. And then, obviously, the most shocking event, San Diego State upsets Alabama 71-64. to And don't want to say – so we picked Alabama to go to the title game because they're super, super talented. But we also were saying the entire time, like, this could happen. Nate Oates kind of Nate Oates himself. You had ample opportunities to get shots from the mid-range, and you don't do it. All you do is shoot, is make layups, and you shoot threes. And Alabama had a really bad shooting night. And these things will happen. I think Brandon Miller was 3 for 19 from the field. Yeah, I mean, one for ten from three. As somebody who had a future on Bama to win it all, pick them in the bracket to win it all. Thought they were honestly the best team in the nation. Like that, it was tough to see, and it was from the start. I mean, going into halftime down twenty-eight to twenty-three, and I'm like, this does not look good. And like, obviously, if you listen to the podcast, I, I thought Quinterly was going to be able to go off for more. He did drop ten. But, I mean, Miller only goes for nine. Sears was literally the only one keeping them in this game. He made some clutch shots at the end to try bring them into the game. But, like, the damage was already done. Dude, you were – Alabama was up nine with 11 minutes left against San Diego State. One of the best offenses and most and best defenses in the country. You were up nine on San Diego State. A team that is, you know, can score. It's not pretty but always make their money on the defensive end of the court and you let them get back in the game. We're going to get into more of San Diego State in a little bit. To the Elite Eight, Connor, I know you don't really talk about it, but Fort Atlantic advances to the Final Four, 79-76. to 76. I have a lot of thoughts on this game. I know you have a lot of thoughts on this game. I'll open the floor open to you first. I mean, I knew that this could be a possibility. San Diego State was not, or I mean, I'm sorry, FAU was not a joke. And, I mean, they're 35-3 and three for a fucking reason. You could say, oh, they play in the CUSA or whatever, but I don't care. The, this FAU team is a good team. I don't want to gripe on it too fucking much, and I'm probably the only one that's going to... Prob- you definitely are. But, man, the... The refereeing towards Keontae just seemed a little funky to me. I think if Keontae plays in this game more, he only played 18 minutes in this whole fucking game. Mm-hmm. I think he could have easily pl- doubled that. Wait, yeah. Yeah, he would have played 36 minutes. 
Exactly. So, I mean, you took basically a whole half away from him. I give Tang credit that in when he had two fouls early in the set, first half, he sat him for the rest of the half. I thought, like, even with, like, three minutes, like, okay, let's throw him back out there. But it, still, like, man, some of those charges, there was, I can vividly remember one, Keontae gets called for a block. Literally two seconds later after they sub him out, same play happens, and magically it's a charge then. I just, I don't know, man. I might be, like you said, the only one complaining about this, but if Keontae's able to play more in this game, I think that Kansas State can come out with it. Sucks at the end, not really being able to get up a shot. I think Marquise thought that they were going to foul him, but then like you give it to Masood, and if there's anybody else on that court to shoot a three, it would be Masood, but... I don't know. I feel like the game plan got kind of screwy once Keontae got into foul trouble. You had to throw, oh, God, what was him? Eola out there, who's senior, but really has played only like 11, average 11 minutes this in the season. And, I mean, it says he only played six minutes, but, man, it seemed like he was out. It seemed like he was out there for a hell of a lot longer than that, but. Yeah, I mean, the the other one that I have a gripe about is the last foul for Keontae. I understand that, yes, that was a foul. But literally a second before that, Marquise gets knocked on his ass after shooting a three, and they do not call it. Like, hmm. that would have been before the Keontae foul. I mean, I don't know what happens. Like, do they go with the first foul, or the or do both fouls happen? Um, it's usually the first one that's committed. So, I mean, in that case, Marquise is at the line shooting three. Keontae doesn't get his last foul. I mean, it could be totally different, but credit to FAU. Credit to Tang for putting a hell of a team together, getting this team to the Elite Eight. I'm sad that the future I had on them to make it to the Final Four didn't cash, but... This has been a hell of a run with them. I officially adopted Kansas State as my second school. You already know how much love I had for them in football. It carried over to basketball season, and this has just been a hell of a run. And I know with Tang at the helm, it's going to continue, man. It will. He definitely got outcoached in this game. Kind of. Dusty May kind of bodied him a little bit. Um, I think the better team won, and the better team has a better chance of winning a national title won this game. Me. They did not play very well. Fort Atlantic played very, very, very subpar. No, they did a lot of turnovers, and like they also got themselves in foul trouble. But yeah. here's what killed you: Golden, Golden, and again, like again, Kansas State overachieved all year in games they probably shouldn't have won. You probably shouldn't have beat Kentucky when you get out rebounded by twenty, but they did because that's what Kansas State did. They do all year. They just overachieved. But what killed Kansas State, and I've seen some people have this take too, but watching it, it was pretty vivid. Noel kind of killed them down the stretch with a little too much hero ball. He finished one for seven down the stretch, and I'm telling you, man, that take against Vlad Golden was maybe one of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen in a college basketball game down the stretch. In his defense, he was playing out of his mind. But when he drove, I'm like, dude, like that was – that was so dumb. In the early 
shots in the shot clock when he's just jacking up threes with 24 seconds left on the shot clock, that's kind of what lost them the game down the stretch. Well, I will say the other thing that did hurt them were there were several times that Noel did try to make a pass when he probably should have taken just the bunny layup, but he's trying to make the extra the like try to make the right play, but it's like you should take that. Mm. Guys aren't fully ready and goes right through their hands or it's a little bit off or, or whatever. Or how be. about don't throw the ball between your legs in a in a Elite Eight game with a chance to go to the final four. Make the regular good basketball play and make the pass. Just throw it behind you. Okay, Grandpa. That's what, like, he was not ready for the ball. I know. Like, I get I get it. A Calm little, down, Grandpa. A little too much of Kyrie Irving in him kind of cost him the game down the stretch. I mean, live and die with Marquise. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what Tang was doing, and that's why I think he kind of got outcoached a little bit. I will say, he. I do think he made, like, the right call was sitting Keontae as much as he did with the foul trouble. So I think he was able to manage that. And, like, with your Marquise, Marquise and, obviously, Keontae are one and two. But when you don't have your number two or your number one out there, it, and you're still able to stay in the game, you got to get some credit for that. So I think he made a lot of the right moves. Carter stepped up in Keontae without Keontae. Tomlin was major in this game, too. Mm-hmm. Like he was huge, but at the end, like they got out rebounded forty. I think it was what forty four. They got double re- out rebound forty four to twenty two, and that's kind of been an issue all year. Vlad Golden kind of played out of his mind. It's, yeah, the this, fourteen to two offensive rebound difference really fucking hurt. You saw it. FAU had so many or second chances. This was this game reminds me a lot of the Kentucky game, where you had two teams that probably didn't play their best ball game for whatever reason it was and one team made the plays down the stretch and one team didn't the thing that helped FAU more than anything is they're just so deep and we'll get into another team that I think really cost them into from Sunday but I mean this FAU team's legit this team can win a national title it's not gonna be my pick to win it yeah it's crazy to look at the uh shot selection for FAU in this game Literally, abs- no mid-range shots whatsoever. No. Everything was at the hoop or for three. Like, there's literally only one shot that was outside the, uh, like, well, it was still layup. Yeah, I mean, just FAU, congrats. Kansas State, great season. Yeah, they'll, they'll be back. Tang's got to get some <laughs> more transfers. I think the reason that I've fallen more in love throughout the season with FAU is just – and again, kind of what I reiterated too is they don't take bad shots. Like Kansas State took some bad shots in this game that kind of screwed them. Fort Atlantic is just ball movement, ball movement, ball movement, wide open shot. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's hard to go up to a team against a team that, like, is there. I mean, there's just dudes after dudes that can just. It doesn't matter who's taking the shot; they're going to find the right shot. They're completely unselfish. Are you ready for my take? Hmm. FAU to the championship. I don't know what happens this year yet. I haven't decided who I'm going to bet on. I think I'm going to bet FAU to go to the title game. I'm not picking against UConn. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. But if this team stays intact, Forrester's the only one leaving. 
Mm-hmm. If they everybody stays, Dusty May is going to be there. This team will be a top two seed next year. It reminds me very much of the Wichita State team that made a run to the Final Four. They're going to have the preseason metrics. Because like this team was metrically good enough to probably be a top four seed. They were underseeded as a nine. Mm-hmm. Incredibly underseeded. But if you have the preseason metrics to get you there, yeah, and you have a 35-3 and three season, or whatever it would be in the regular season, they have a chance to get a top two seed. Mm-hmm. That would be my prediction. Yeah, definitely. The other game on Saturday was UConn. And Gonzaga, eighty-two to fifty-four. After a, th- it was thirty-nine to thirty-two at halftime. I had some hopes for Gonzaga to stay in this basketball game, but man, it 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 got ugly pretty quick. Drew Timmy struggled with foul trouble the entire game. Some of them I thought were a little ticky-tacky, but he that's a that's a senior. He needs he should know better than to to be throwing elbows and trying to fight for the ball. So I understand that, but. Dude, this UConn team is just freaking rolling, man. Just in the tournament alone, they have won by, let's see, 24. Against Rick Pitino. 15. Against Randy Bennett. 23. Against Eric Musselman. And 28. And against Mark Few. That is insane. That is four of the best 10 coaches in college basketball. They, I don't know. Like, I don't know what really stops this team. It's like, a freak train. I, I dude, like, it, it was over quick. And Gonzaga, it seemed like had no fucking. Answer. It was one of those things too, though. I didn't bet on this game, but obviously, I, I've always want because I'm in a weird spot here because I have futures on UConn, but I, like, I want Gonzaga to win the national title. Mm-hmm. I want them to do it one time. One of those things it was thirty nine to thirty two, and I had hopes that they could come back, but I think in the back of my head was like, "Dude, this game's this game's done." Yeah, it doesn't help when Timmy goes five of fourteen shooting. Yeah, Dude, Strother th- had went four of fifteen, and I mean, when Hawkins goes six for ten from three, like just just think about this freaking UConn team, dude. So they run out. They have Sonogo, who obviously is an incredible back to the basket, who, one, did not have a great game in this game. No, 3 of 11. He did shoot a 3, but 10 boards, <laughs> 10, boards 10 points. But they six get assists. 6 assists. He can play back to the basket and can get anything he wants. So you have to defend with your big guy. being in the, the. You're defending a big guy in the post who also has incredible post moves and kick it out. They sub him out. Cleanan comes in. And now you have a pick and roll guy who's just getting lobs, lobs and lobs left and right. Like you have to you basically have to defend two different kinds of teams for UConn, depending if Sonogo or Klingon are on the court. It's they are so if it was okay, so for people that don't, because not a lot of people pay attention to the tournament or up to college basketball until the tournament starts. If it was not for that little three, two to three week stretch, this we're talking about a number one seed. Yes. Like, this shouldn't be that surprising. There's a reason this was the only Final Four team we got right, Connor. Yeah. Granted, we thought it was crazy that we had them beating Kansas. They didn't even have to play Kansas. No. No. There's but a God re- knows with how they've been in the tournament what would have happened in that fucking Kansas game. I'm, I'm telling you, I think if they would, even with everything that Alabama's done, if Alabama would have made it to the title game, I think UConn would have been favored of them in the national title game, the way they've looked. It's... It's insane. Awesome for Dan Hurley. It's his first Final Four. 
He was, a, I think, a couple years late. He might have made it as a player at Seton Hall. I can't remember. I it was around that time, but awesome. Good for him. Good for Dan Hurley. To Sunday in a game that honestly was probably the first time I've really heard of a referee, like controversial call here. San Diego State advances the Final Four. They beat the Creighton Blue Jays 57-56. Break my heart. I love the Blue Jays, man. But before we get into that call, I will say this game played exactly how San Diego State wanted it to be. They wanted it to be nasty. They wanted it to be ugly. I thought in the first half, Creighton went into halftime up five. I was just waiting for the run to start. Because when I bet this at minus two, I had, there was nothing. This was one of my, this was like West Virginia over Maryland confidence for me, which obviously didn't hit either. That Creighton was going to beat these guys. I thought they were just way more talented, but San Diego State mucked it up, and they're one of the best three-point defending teams in the country, and it showed Creighton goes two for 17 from three and ultimately falls a point short. Yeah, I mean, I almost thought San Diego State was about to blow it on that last play that happened to Shireman. I mean... Oh, my God. That lob that, like, it was almost like the dude was trying to throw it to Shireman, and it literally goes right to the basket and easy layup for Shireman to tie it up. I mean, as some... As a podcast, we've been in love with the Big East. We were kind of hoping for an all-Big East championship between Creighton and UConn. Obviously, we're not going to get that, but, I mean... After, I'm telling you, after FAU beat Kansas State, I was like, this is happening. This is going to happen. UConn's going to beat Creighton in the national title game. Mm -hmm. And credit to San Diego State with just clamping down defensively. I mean, it's their M.O. Early in the game, it seemed like Creighton kind of knew that after watching San Diego State basically run everybody off Alabama, off the three-point line. So they were trying to take some mid-range jumpers. They were trying to get the ball into Kalkbrenner. I mean, Kalkbrenner did some work, 8 of 17, 17 but points. man, I'm going to tell you, he missed some big buckets down the stretch where they were right in front of his face, and he just he back-ironed them. And the thing that kind of killed Creighton all year was having no benched. Everything down the la- down the stretch with six minutes left, everything was short. Everything was short. Now, 56-56, after what you said, Siako throws a ball over his player's head. Baylor Charman lays it and ties it up. Trammell goes down the court, goes up for a shot, gets bumped on the hip with a hand on the hip by Andrew Nemhard. Foul is called. He ultimately makes the last free throw. Creighton doesn't get a shot up, and they win. My take on that is I agreed with the call. I thought it was a foul. The problem I had with it is the way the game was officiated the entire time, and then suddenly they let the players play the entire game, and you're going to call that with the second left. That's tough for me. Yeah, like one second left in an elite eight game in a game that you really have not been making the calls. Like I don't know if that's the right call. It was kind of a ticky-tack foul even though it was a foul. I just don't know if that's the timing because I was down at the bar about to play the same oh, yeah. volleyball game. and <laughs> First, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Who, uh, who are you? Well, I, I mean, I'm the only one standing at the bar watching this game because there's volleyball games going on. But uh, so I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay, we just got to overtime because 
it like CBS like put the graphic up like overtime and it looked like the players were walking off the court and then it's like and then I go play my game, I come back and I'm like, wait, how was it only fifty seven to fifty six in overtime? And I saw it and I'm like, I don't know if that's the right call. My thing is, I'm not, I don't know how you feel about it. I'm a because it kind of happens in football too. It's people say Super you, Bowl. You can't make that call there. Well, I was more talking about the Bengals Super Bowl. Oh, well, I, I'm not a proponent of that. I don't believe in that. I believe in you call the game from tip to finish, but you call it the same. If you have a refereeing crew that's going to let him play, let him play from start to finish. If you're going to call everything a foul, start to finish. Mm-hmm. They let the players play for 39 minutes in 39 minutes and 59 <laughs> seconds. And then you call that. 58 points. Eight seconds. Something like that. And then you call that, that's tough. But I'm going to say, shout out to Tremel. He was playing in front of like 900 people at Seattle a year ago. And when he bricked that first at Seattle, when he transferred him to Seattle, when he missed that first free throw, I was like, dude. Like, I I was back in Creighton, but it was a moment where like, dude, I used to, I used to tell you all the time at Seattle, I generally feel bad for you if you missed that. But, hey, man, credit to him. He made it. Also, and I've, I don't know if I've ever said it on this podcast, I don't know your feelings are. Stop. Christian Leitner ruined the last second of games with this stupid shot against Kentucky because now every team tries it, and I'm telling you, nine out of ten times, nobody gets a shot off. Or it gets stolen. You have a better chance of shooting a half quarter. I 100% believe that. Yeah, on the run, half quarter, I think you have a better shot. I think We, we- just we saw Arizona State do it. Timmy Allen just made a half quarter. Like, we see... Half shooters are getting incredible. I think, like, honestly, and especially where they threw it, I think they were trying to draw the foul more than anything. But I mean, did, did you know Baylor Sharman was a? Uh, so they were going crazy. But he was they're like Baylor Sharman's throwing in. Obviously, he was a high school quarterback, mm-hmm. and then like he basically like did like a, almost like a drop back and like just launched it. Mm-hmm. Now and back to what you were saying about the fouls. There were on each side only eleven fouls called. This whole game, and then you make one at the end of the game. It's just, mm, I don't know. But I didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. But now to the better game. Kudos to San Diego State, though, going to the, to the Final game. Four. First time ever. First time ever from the Mountain West. Better game. And then in a game where I'm telling you, Connor, Miami I had Magic. shit to do on Sunday. I was about to start. So basically, we were going to be picking up the backyard or whatever. I was on the verge of like, you know what? I might just go out and pick the stuff up and kind of check back in the game. And then here comes Miami. Miami comes back from, I think, 13 down in the second half to win 88-81 against Texas and advance to their first ever Final Four. Yeah, 13-point deficit. Jim Laranega to his second Final Four. And you cannot fall asleep and no lead is safe against Miami in that freaking high-powered offense. And it wasn't Isaiah Wong. It wasn't Nigel Pack who will get all the credit 90% of the time. It was Jordan Miller with 27 points. He was 13 for 13 in the line, 7% from the field. He played phenomenal. Absolutely great game for the senior. Like, obviously making plays down the stretch because he's been in this situation and was on the losing side. And he was going to make sure that did not happen. Just... 
everything hitting for him. 27 points. Phenomenal game from him. I mean, dude. it. I'm watching it slowly, slowly happen. And, like, I'm like, can this happen? Can this happen? And then, like, the one thing that really switched. I'm not, I'm not sure if you watched it. But there was a point where it looked like Omir was about to foul out. Yes, and I, w- I watched the whole game. I was on the verge of giving up. And then they switched the call. Which was the correct call. Absolutely, because, I mean, he's going straight up. And who who was it? Um, Callahan. Or, uh, no. Cunningham. Cunningham. It just keeps backing up into him. Like, I was... I was my jaw was on the floor because I'm like, that cannot be his fifth foul. He cannot have just fouled out on a bullshit call. But then they make the change, the right call, and just kept that Miami train fucking rolling, man. I will say for Ronnie Terry, congrats. He just signed a five-year deal today with Texas on his I think on his birthday today, actually. Um, the couple coaching things that I think really hurt them down the stretch – you didn't have to keep Marcus Carr out there the whole time. No. He was after, obviously hurt. Yeah, after that, like, when Omir bumped into him, like, that was, like, you got you had to pull him. Like, you already made the switch to have Sir Jabari Rice. I think they had him more on, was it Pack or Wong? I can't really. Yeah, uh, Rice was on Pack. Exactly. So, you had to take car off of him because he cannot move that much and just down the stretch he couldn't hit shots the amazing thing for me about this miami comeback they didn't shoot it from three everything was a two-pointer they miami was able to come back and win this game score 88 points shot two of eight from three in this game if you would have told me Miami shoots two of eight from three in this game, I'm like, oh, Miami gets their fucking doors blown off. No, they fucking win. Yeah, and not like you said, put up 88 points. I now, mean, they did a really good job of getting the free throw line. Yes. Shot 32 free throws, made 28 of them. Um, the other thing is, like, obviously, Shabar, like Serge Jabari and Marcus Carr, they're, like, I'm sorry, Marcus Carr's got the name. They're they're on the same level. Like, Serge Jabari's super good. He literally has the smoothest pump fake I've ever seen. Makes Paul Pierce's look like nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, why is Cat Cunningham heat checking at the end of this game, taking a awful layup early in the shot clock, bricked, mm-hmm. and then I think they're down four. There's still 20 seconds. You're still in this ball game. As soon as he touches the ball, he jacks up a three. Grant did shoot three of five. I know that. <laughs> but those are the two shots you missed, actually, too. Like, why is he deciding he is going to heat check here? That is... Especially you know, Ronnie, when you're like you're below Serge Jabari. You're probably below Timmy. You're probably below Carr. Definitely below um, Dylan Mitchell. I think the one thing that, honestly, would have been in Texas's favor that... Like, something that we didn't even talk about in the Xavier game, they were able to blow Xavier out. It was without DeSue. Yeah, that I mean, was he would big. have obviously helped. Especially against the shorter Omir. Like, that would have been a mismatch. And I'm sorry, but Christian Bishop 
isn't exploiting that matchup as much as Dessou's athleticism is going to be able to. Yeah, and I think Dylan Mitchell to somebody who ended up betting Dessou's over points in that Xavier game and then seeing that happen immediately. Yes, Dylan Mitchell's just a little too young. He's still on the like experience level of just getting lobs. He's not really going to beat you off the dribble or do anything crazy. Yep. Obviously, that hurt. And Omir is undersized, but again, I'm never going to doubt him to be able to get a rebound. Yeah, and Hunter only shooting four of eleven like doesn't really help. It, it was. I mean, it's it. I feel for Texas watching that collapse. The but, most Texas thing ever. Yeah, but as somebody who did have that future on Miami and make it to the Final Four, I still cannot believe that cashed. I, dude, I was dead. I was, I was like there, like it was a great season, but man, watching this game from start to finish, I you now I have the box score pulled up. You could not have told me Texas shot forty percent from three. Their bench was seven for ten. It was literally Carr and Rice being a combined six of fourteen. Four of fourteen. No, six of fourteen. Tyrese Hunter was one for six. Marcus oh Carter's yeah. Oh eight. no, I was just saying that that was what Sir Jabari and Marcus Carr were. I mean, oh, I, I yeah. must. I so I have my like eyes three. glued on two names. I must have missed that. You only hit four, so you go four for six, seven. I'm trying to do math in my head, and it's it's not working, ladies and gentlemen. Four of 11 from the others. I mean, that's tough. Yeah, I, I do feel for Texas. I love the, I love this Texas team. We got a Teddy Allen shot into the crowd. That made me feel a little happy. He was a little, uh, <laughs> I think he was having a good time. Yeah, definitely having a good time. It was crazy, though, that like we saw Teddy Allen, and then later they go into the crowd. Oh, he's sitting next to Nick Collison. Like, how did you not? Like, I know you're. Oh, fighting. I didn't make that correlation. I did, I added. I didn't have the volume up. Well, I I just saw it. Like, I didn't have the volume up that much either. But like, well, no, that was actually when I did. But I was just like watching the comeback, and like they show Nick Collison, and it's like, oh, Teddy Allen's like right next to him. Yeah, I mean. Dude, I'm just waiting So for this Miami-UConn game coming up. And we're not really going to break down any of the Final Four matchups. Um, we got to have something to talk about on Friday, obviously, right? Yeah. Um, I'm waiting for my UConn to jump out to a 10-point lead. I already have it saved in my phone. It's a Batman symbol pointing out. It's Teddy Allen. No one's going to laugh but me, you, and JR. But I'll take it. <laughs> He's the Yukon killer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to... So, before we get out of here, there's one thing I wanted to say. So, there was a quote that I heard on another podcast from early in the year from Dan Hurley. He said, if we had RJ Cole, he said, I think we could be a second weekend team. He's like, well, guess what? RJ Cole left, and you're in the freaking Final Four, and you're minus, what is it now, 140 favorite. I've seen minus one twenty five, minus one thirteen. I mean, um, before I can't remember or minus one thirty five. I've seen. I don't know. It. I mean, it's been all over the place, but still. Who was the second in the odds? Was it Miami or San Diego State? Think. Um, trying to see if I can possibly pull it up now. Because to me, it would be 
if UConn's that much of a favorite to San win the San Diego State. Okay, so as of now on DraftKings, UConn minus 125. San Diego State plus 370. Miami plus 475. And Florida Atlantic plus 650. I'd almost be willing to put money on. Well, couldn't you put money on everybody else and still come in the positive? Basically take the field. Yeah, kind of. You, I mean, if San Diego State wins it, it'll be. I think. I mean, I think plus two seventy UConn over FAU. Oh, they they have actual matchups on there. Right now? Yeah, that you can find just about anything on there. Um, uh, well, obviously, like whatever it is for FAU to make it to the championship, it's whatever the money line is in the game. Yeah, that so, makes hundred percent sense. But I mean, I honestly think that. FAU can make it to the championship. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think UConn's definitely the favorite, obviously. I think, but I think all four teams can can win the national title. This isn't I, – I swear, every single Final Four you get, there's always one team you're like, well, thanks for coming. Like, it's time for you to go home now. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just kind of happy to be there kind of thing. Like, Little Chicago is an awesome story. I really wanted them to win. And they're not there. Uh, one last thing, actually, before we go. I wanted to shout out Malachi Flint. He was the point guard for San Diego State in 2020 when the tournament got canceled. That San Diego State team was 30-2. and two. They were going to be a two-seed, and that was their chance to make a Final Four and maybe win a national title. Yep. So, obviously, he's got to be feeling good right now to see his alma mater there. And he's playing professional ball, so... Awesome for him. He was the star of that team, and that team I thought could have won a national title that year. And now his, his team, he's not playing, but his school's got a shot. Mm-hmm. So we'll see you Friday. Final four breakdown, final four picks right here. Peace.